Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be with you, to be able to celebrate what God is continuing to do in and through His church, uh, even such a time as this. Uh, we're excited that you are joining us. Hey, if you're new here, very special welcome to you. We're, we thank you for taking some of your time and spending it with us, hopefully in us. You will find a group of folks that we recognize we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus. And we want to be more like Jesus. So we want to invite you to come alongside of us, to grow in relationship with God, in relationship with one another. And in that, we can make a difference in the world because we're being more like Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons we're talking about this current sermon series. I'm really excited about it. It's uh, uh, Jesus said what? <laughs> Looking at some of the hard sayings of Jesus, because the truth is, if it made it in the Bible, it's kind of important for us to take a look at, uh, and it's, it's probably something that we can learn something from. And, and most of us, me included, tend to hear some of the difficult things that Jesus says, and we, we want to bury our head in the sand or, or, or maybe move past it because we don't understand it the way we should. And that's really the idea behind this series is to, to really get to know a little bit more about what Jesus is calling us to so that we can be more like Jesus. We started last week, uh, and, and this is going to be week two of this, and we're just excited that we are able to come together and be a part of what God is doing. So uh, my question for you is, have you ever seen instant karma take place, or maybe just a convenient cop? Uh, these are terms for it on the internet, but the idea of maybe somebody passes you going 85 and you're in a 40 and you're like, man, where's the cop when you need one? And suddenly uh, you see the police officer go by you and pull him over. And then you driving by, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, you shouldn't have been speeding. You know, it's that idea of instant, instant justice that has taken place. Somebody cuts you off and you're like, oh man, I almost got in an accident. And the cop in the lane next to you saw what he did and pulls him over and you're like, yeah, that is so good. Or when, when I lived in St. Louis, my daughter, and I had to drive her to school. And one of the, the roads that we drove down was a highway. And uh, in St. Louis, where we lived at the time, they always did road construction. Maybe where you are, they don't always do road construction. I haven't found that to be true in Missouri anywhere. Uh, but maybe, maybe where you are, it's fine. Uh, but for us, they took a four-lane highway down to two lanes, and it was the two lanes closest to the shoulder, and you know there's always that one person, right? That one person that decides the shoulder is actually an extra lane, and I'm going to drive two miles down the road so that I can get off at the next exit before everybody else, and everybody else is in their car, and they're, they're getting frustrated. I could see, like, my daughter and I were discussing just how ridiculous that was until we saw the flashing lights up in front of us. And we saw the police officer that was standing on the side of the shoulder telling the guy to slow down because he was going to get a driving award from the police. Uh, it, you get to pay money for it. It's a ticket. It's not good. Uh, and so we, we, we cheered in the car. And, 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 you know, just the thought of people getting what they deserve sometimes elicits a little bit of excitement in me, especially in driving, but in the world as well. And I'm sure that we've all felt this way before. Maybe we have 
haven't had the, the experience of somebody passing us uh, on the shoulder, but maybe you've had somebody get pulled over that was driving recklessly, and you were kind of excited about it. Or maybe you had somebody in your family that was doing something that was frustrating you, and somebody else called them on it, and, and you didn't have to say anything. You, you were able just to see them get what was coming to them, or what you've been waiting for that whole time. And, and, and you know, the, the the line from Ricardo Montalban in Star Trek's The Wrath of Khan, revenge is a dish best served cold, is, is pretty apt and accurate. We enjoy it when we see people getting what they deserve. Unless, of course, it's us. When we get what we deserve, we're, we're not so excited about that. And, and, and so we want to take a look at this idea of, of Jesus calling us to be countercultural, to, to live differently than, than the world does. Because Jesus wants us to know, hey, revenge is really not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, going after somebody, vengeance is, is not really for y'all. Vengeance is, is God's domain. And we need to back off of some of that and, and let people kind of do their own thing without us having to force our way upon them. And if somebody does something wrong to us, Jesus wants us to take a step back, to reevaluate, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, not go after them. And, and right now, it's a perfect time for this. This, this, this portion is going to be so culturally relevant because we can't help but yelling at one another, whether it's in social media or in the car or in the grocery store, we, we just don't seem to be able to control ourselves. We have road rage now is a thing that people get. Why? Because they can't control themselves. And so Jesus is saying the reason that all of this is going on is you need to, you need to readjust yourselves. And I, I really believe that he's saying that to us now and, and, and to, um, to generations that are to come. And, and one of those things about being a pastor that's so weird is every once in a while, not all the time, but every once in a while, the sermon is more to me than it is to you. And I really feel that way about this sermon because this is one of those places that I truly struggle. I struggle with being frustrated with others and, and honestly hoping that they get what they deserve. And Jesus calls us to something different. Jesus calls us to live differently, and so if you struggle with the same type of thing, maybe this is a, 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 an opportunity for us together to grow in our relationship with Christ and to submit a little bit more of ourselves. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you are joining us on this. We're going to take a look at, at this teaching of Jesus trying to change this mindset from retaliation, retribution, vengeance over to one of uh, that, that is totally different, one that allows for people not to do everything that they're supposed to do um, and not have us call out, out the vengeance or the justice or the retribution that, that they may so aptly deserve because maybe that's an opportunity for us to show grace. Let me show you what I mean. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is talking and he's trying to change some mindsets on vengeance or retaliation. He says this, you have heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Here Jesus is quoting directly from the Old Testament 
uh, when he says eye for eye and tooth for tooth because this the concept of retribution or retaliation. And Jesus is saying, hey, uh, you have heard it said that that's what you should do. But I want you to understand a new way, a new thing. If you're a disciple of Jesus, he wants you to live in a different way. And he says this, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them on the other cheek also. This does not sound culturally acceptable. If somebody comes up to you and slaps you on the right cheek, should you truly turn the other cheek to them and allow them to slap you there as well? He continues, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Give them more than what they are asking for. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This, this just so we understand, this is, is because of the Roman policy. Uh, if you were in Roman-occupied lands and Rome, Roman's military, Rome's military was moving through, they could, they could conscript you for one mile to help carry a burden, to help do something. One mile. Here Jesus is saying, if they can script you to do one mile, go ahead and do the second one too. And this doesn't make sense in, in a cultural understanding. Like this, this is not what the world would have us do. If, if we're getting wronged, we want to get right. Or we want them to get their just desserts. We have so many words and ways to say it, but we're really just looking for justice, immediate and swift so that they can get punished because we're being wronged. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is what Jesus is telling us. And quite frankly, it's a great question for us because Jesus said what is the title of the series. And, and this is one of those difficult things for us to struggle with because what Jesus is saying does not sound like what we want to have happen. If somebody is wronging us, we don't want that to happen. And so what is Jesus really saying? And I want to pause here for a moment because I want to make a statement so nobody misunderstands what I'm saying. This is not Jesus saying that if you're in an abusive relationship, you should just stick it out because it's going to be okay in the end. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. If you're in an abusive relationship, we want you to know that, that that's not what God has in mind for you, and, and that I would, I would love to be able to help you in any way we can. You can call us. We can partner together. We can get you in touch with the people that you need to be in touch with so that you can get the assistance and aid that you need, so that you can be safe because that's what God wants for you. He's not looking for you to be in an abusive relationship. What God is trying to figure out for us is how, when we are wronged, that we take it to the next level instead of submitting ourselves to Him and, and reflecting grace. And so if you're in that kind of a relationship, we're here to help you. We really are. Um, so let us know, and we're glad to help you. If you're struggling with this, welcome to the club. This isn't an easy one. It's going to be difficult for us to move through. And so we're going to start by looking at the Old Testament. Because when Jesus says, you have heard it said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, he's quoting from the Old Testament. Exodus says it this way, but if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life. 
eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. Whatever is done needs to be done on the other person. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. This one comes from Leviticus. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, the one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Now, here's, here's what's going on is we're trying to understand and, and get with Jesus on what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you have heard it said, do those things if you are wronged, but I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. And for us, we need to kind of get a perspective that we don't typically have. Because when we hear, uh, if somebody causes harm to you, you should go harm them. When we hear that kind of thing, it can make us take a step back. Because as, as modern people on the planet Earth, that is difficult for us to ration out and, and understand. It's difficult because Christ has had so much impact on the world around us and on our culture, even our culture, that that, that kind of thing is foreign to us. We don't see the idea of vengeance immediately in, in that way. And here's why. Because Jesus has had that impact across the culture. Here's, here's what, what I mean. We're going to have to back up a little bit and take a Latin lesson. We're going to learn a Latin word. Uh, Latin is great because it uses the same letters as English. And so when we look at this, uh, it's going to be the same. We're, we're able to read it pretty easy. This is the word lax, lex, not lax, lex talonis. Uh, and what, what this word means is the law of retaliation. Lex talonius is the law of retaliation. And what, that, what, what the law of retaliation is, is discussing is the same thing that Exodus and Leviticus are discussing. It's this idea of an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, whatever is done to one person, you may do back to the other person. But here is something key for our understanding. Lex Talonius, oh my gosh, I can't say the word now. Lex Talonius uh, is presented more as a way of limiting the degree of personal vengeance. That's key, limiting the degree of personal vengeance that one may take upon another. Now get this, it is not a positive teaching about what a person must or should do. What we need to understand is this concept is all about limiting the ability of someone going further than they should. Here's what I, what I mean. Uh, for Americans, modern Americans, we can picture this in the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? It's, and now we say when two families aren't getting along, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. We're referencing back to two families, the Hatfields and the McCoys. There was a murder that took place. Uh, somebody was killed. And instead of following this kind of a concept where you do an eye for an eye or a tooth for tooth, they went after the entire families went to war over this issue. And, and it became synonymous with people not getting along or not being able to resolve their differences because many, many people 
died in this family feud. And, and, and Jesus wants us to, to recognize that what he's saying is, hey, this rule that was put in place to limit you, I want you to even back up further than that. I want you to not be all in on causing harm to somebody else. And the reason why is because we've received grace from God. And God wants us to share and reflect that grace to others. Jesus' disciples are called to forego retaliation and reflect grace. Forego the retaliation and reflect grace. Now, this is the hard part because, uh, you know, when we're sitting in our car and somebody drives past us and we get a little frustrated, that's, that's one thing. But when somebody actually does us wrong, when they hurt us, that can be another, and it can be hard for us to reflect grace in the middle of that situation. And Jesus is saying, I want you to take a step further than, than what everybody else has done and know that the grace that you have received is the grace that you should share. Retaliation is not the way of Jesus. He, he creates an ethic of grace, an ethic of grace that we should imitate and, inspire, and, and, and be inspired by so that we can be more like him in, in his ability to share grace. Here's, he, he's the perfect example because he, the son of God, could call the armies of God to his defense and yet he allowed himself to be beaten and crucified because he was being obedient to the Father. Now, this ethic of grace is not one for governments. So, you know, we're not looking for people to make policies so that we can make this happen. This is for the individual follower of Jesus. So for you and for me, what Jesus is saying is, I, I know you're going to get hurt, but in the process, you don't have to reflect that anger and vengeance and retribution or retaliation Instead, you can bring that to me. I will help you shoulder that. And then you can reflect grace to those that have caused you harm. Uh, you have said, or you have heard it said, but I tell you, Jesus is teaching us a new way to do things. And, and here's the truth. I mean, the world demands retaliation, but Jesus wants you to forgive. This is not an easy lesson uh, and I get it, I really do. And maybe you're sitting out there and you're thinking, but you don't understand what they took from me. You don't understand how they hurt me. You don't understand what they have done to my family, to my friends, to those that I love and care about. You don't understand any of that. And, and maybe I don't understand what you have gone through, uh, what you have dealt with, and how you have strived and struggled to get through that. But I'm human as well, and I have experienced some of those things also. And, and so it's important for us to recognize that Jesus did this from a very human perspective. He came and told us so that we could understand. As a person, to people, he explained this so that we could get this understanding. And so it's important for us 
Not going to be easy, but it's important for us. And when we, when we look to Scripture, we can see another example that, that is so powerful for that. And, and that is, uh, there's a, a story in the book of Acts. Acts is the story of the new church. After Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Acts is the story of what the church did in order to grow and blossom and be on the move for Jesus Christ, because that's what we're called to do. And Paul was an apostle of Christ after Christ's resurrection, uh, came to follow Jesus, and he and a guy named Silas would go around all over the place and plant churches. By planting churches, I just mean he would start a brand new church. He would go tell them about Jesus. They would be like, hey, we want to hear more. They would gather together and start a church. Well, in one location, Paul and Silas got arrested for doing some stuff, and, and it was basically for following Jesus. And they end up in prison. Now, this story is like so many others where, where we have people that are experiencing the world turning against them because of their faith in Christ. And so here's, here's what happens to Paul and Silas in prison. Um, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I love that mostly because Paul and Silas are, are, are worshiping themselves and the others are just captivated by it. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The foundations of the building they're in were shaken. Now, we need to understand that in a Roman prison, they're not just in, like, it's not like the wild, wild west where you're in a, in a cell and there's bars everywhere. You can't exit the building, but you're also chained and shackled. And, and here's what it says. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chain came loose. We can see this is a miraculous moment. Uh, and, and Paul and Silas are, are in the jail and the shackles come off of everybody in the jail, not just Paul and Silas, but also the other prisoners. And the doors have been opened. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He, he wanted, he, this, this is another one of those things that's just hard for us. This is a question of honor. This guy's job depended on him holding the prisoners that he was responsible for holding. So when the prison is broken open, even though it's not his fault, his response, because his honor has been broken, he is now shamed because of this, his response, his first thought is, I'm going to kill myself because I, I don't want it to go further than me. I don't want anybody in my family to be held accountable for my misdeeds. And so his thought was to kill himself until he hears a voice come from inside the prison. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now in this story, it's, it's a simple story, but it's, it's mind-boggling. Here's why God had freed them. He had opened the doors to the cells and God had dropped the chains. And yet Paul and Silas did not want this man to come to harm. They, they understood what was going on and so they stayed there and they convinced 
the other prisoners to stay with them. And so all together they stayed, and, and that changed the life of this, this prison guard because he took Paul and Silas back to the house, and his whole family was baptized because of their action in this way. They had received venom and hatred from the community, and they reflected grace. And, and, and friends, we're not asking to overcome that kind of thing. Most of us aren't thrown in jail for following Jesus. Most of us aren't suffering because of Jesus. Most of us are suffering because of other people's viewpoints, because somebody has a different perspective than we do. Maybe somebody gets into a car wreck with you and you're so upset with them. Friends, that's why it's called accidents. It's not called purposes. They're accidents. Things happen. You don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to win the argument because I, I, in the heat of an argument, I've, I've found it very rare that my perspective has changed. It's just one of those things that's hard, and this is difficult for us. And, and so I just wanted to share, because I said, this is one of those sermons that is really for me too, uh, mostly for me maybe. Uh, but I, I ask myself a couple of questions. What I do is I try to figure out why I'm getting upset. I ask myself, why does this make me mad? What is it about this situation that's making me mad? Now, sometimes it's because I'm in the right and they're in the wrong, and I get that, and, and it makes me mad. I'm frustrated, but I don't have to be vengeful about it. Uh, sometimes it's just because they have injured my pride, or they've said something that I perceived as hurtful, and, and, and that upset me and made me angry. And, and so taking this moment to say, why am I upset, allows me a breath to, to recognize maybe I don't need to respond as quickly as I would like to uh, in anger or in hatred. And then the second question that I want to ask myself is, should I respond the way that Jesus wants me to respond? For you and for me, I'm, I just want you to know the answer to that question is always yes. Should I respond in the way that Jesus wants me to respond? Yes. Will I? That's the question. That's the hard question that Jesus is calling us to. He wants us to live differently. He wants us to share grace. And he wants us to represent him here in this moment. And that's the hope that we have in Christ. So my, my prayer for each and every one of us is that God would make a difference in our lives so much so that we are able to turn the other cheek. We're able to reflect grace even in the darkest of situations. Let's pray. Holy One, it is only by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that we will be able to accomplish this, that we could be made more into your image, so much so that we could be able to respond to anger and hatred and animosity and vengefulness with grace. So help us to, to do that. Help us to embrace who you are and whose we are. Help us to reflect grace and to share love with all those we encounter. And Father, we pray that you would help us to, to check our 
anger, our vengeance, our retaliation at the door, so that instead of retaliating, we can reflect your grace. We pray this in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.